0: Uh, we've done this. This is our fourth service. And, uh, but my name is Paul Mumaw and I'm the lead pastor. And again, um, we we love having you here. And as we get started today, I I just, I want want to open with this. I I just want to ask you this question. Do you ever wish that life came equipped with a do over button? Um, I'm kind of asking you just to use your imagination with me here for a second. But, you know, like you find yourself in a situation, you find yourself uh, in some circumstances, a place where maybe you really don't want to be. And if only with the simple push of a button, you could just kind of rewind time and maybe have another crack at it. You know, if, if only life came with a do-over button. I mean, it, it kind of works like that with kids. I mean, if you think about when you were a kid and maybe when you played games, when you played sports, something like kickball, and you're out with some of your buddies and, and there's the pitch and you're up for the kick and you, you kind of, you take a swipe at it, but you shank it off to the right. It's not your best kick. Uh, you all know, everyone knows that as kids, there's just this sort of universal accepted kind of agreement that you can call do-over. I, I, I want to do-over. That, that's not my best. I didn't mean to do that. And, and everybody agrees and you get a do-over and you go on with things. If if only life came equipped with a do-over button. Men, you ever wish life came equipped with a do-over button? Like when your wife comes up to you and says, Hey, can you tell me, do, 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 these, do these pants make my butt look big? I mean, like... That's a trap question, you know. I mean, you, there's really no other way around it. I mean, you're trapped, but if you hesitate, like if you hesitate before answering, I mean, then you're really in for it. I mean, if in that moment you had a do-over button, well, you could rewind and you could be better prepared uh, for a question like that. Uh, let's say you're at Walmart or something and you're backing out of your parking spot. You're kind of in a hurry and you look quickly and you look in the mirrors and you think you've, you've got it all covered, but you sure enough, you pull out and you back into another car. And if you had a do-over button, um, it's with spending, you know, impulsive spending. As seen on TV, sort of deals. Uh, any of you kind of fall for those a little bit? You can vote for the person next to you if you want to. Uh, you know, you've got some things kind of lying around your house right now that, if only you could do things over, uh, you wouldn't have made that purchase. If you run a business or you manage people, if you're in charge of hiring, uh, there's a chance that well, you probably took a chance on some people. You saw the potential in them, and now you're stuck with them. And and if only you could get a do over. I gotta tell you that as a pastor, there are times that I wish I really had a do over button. Uh for example, I, I had started in ministry, I hadn't been working for a church too long and I was doing this wedding and we came to that place in the wedding where you do the wedding message, you know, the thing that really, the bride and groom, they're not paying attention, but you, you you share with them this wedding message. And I remember the bride and groom were standing right there in front of me. And it was just, it was a couple of days after Christmas. And so I led with a joke. I mean, every pastor, a great, you lead with a joke. You want to get people laughing. And so I had this joke that I was going to tell them. And, and all I remember is the joke went something like this. It started off that there was a perfect couple, all right? And the perfect couple was out for a drive. It was a wintry night, Santa Claus was on the side of the road. They invited him into the car. Well, there's a car accident. They all lose their lives and they end up in heaven. I don't even remember what the punchline is or what difference it made, but here's what happened. I was just a line or two into the joke. At this wedding in front of all these people and all of a sudden this alarm starts going off in my head and then this voice with, you idiot, you can't tell this joke and here's why. I'm looking into the eyes of this bride and remember that over the course of the past year or so she had lost her brother to a car accident and he had left behind a wife and some children who were there at the wedding sitting in the front row My heart's pounding in the moment because it's like, I can't tell this joke. And so here's what I did. I changed it on the fly. I mean, I'm thinking all of this as words are coming out of my mouth, like two places at once. And so I just started changing the joke. I removed any possibility of a car accident whatsoever. I'm not great at telling jokes to begin with, certainly jokes that I make up on the fly. I got to the end of it. Nobody laughed. Everybody looked at me with this strange look and I raced on after there. After the wedding, I was talking with the bride and groom at the reception and I knew them fairly well. And I said, hey, you remember that joke that I kind of told? And she kind of looked at me like, yeah, that didn't really make any sense. And, and I explained to her what had happened and she laughed and she said, oh, it wouldn't have been a big deal. Nobody would have thought. I'm like, yeah, it's easy for you to say right there in that moment. But for me on that particular day with that joke, I, I wish I had a do-over button. And, and the truth is that, we all, you know, have things in our life and some things that we're able to laugh about now, but there are other things that maybe aren't so funny. And, and if we could, we, we'd like to undo them or maybe do something a little differently. I mean, there are relational things in your life and in your dating and maybe in your marriage. Um, as a parent. I mean, I know as a parent, I could probably wear out a do-over button. There are financial mistakes that we all make. I I remember Jenny and I, we were first married and we leased a 2000 red Oldsmobile Alero with a sunroof. We leased it, you know, and thinking about all the money that we spent over three years for that car, if we could rewind and do it over again, we'd make a different decision. I mean, what if you could get a do-over For some of the career moves that you've made. I mean that'd be huge for some of you. Or just think about some of the personal choices that you've made along the way and you've rationalized some of those by saying, Well, I didn't hurt anyone but myself, but but you know there are other decisions that you've made and plenty of people were hurt by them and and people that you deeply love. If only life came equipped with a do-over button. If you've got a Bible, um, take it, if you would, and, and turn to the New Testament. Uh, to the book of Mark, uh, the second book in the New Testament. Uh, turn to Mark chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the words up on the screen so that you can follow along with us. And, and just to kind of give you some context for what's happening historically at this time in Mark chapter 16, uh, Jesus was crucified on a Friday. And now it's the Sunday morning after his crucifixion just two days later. And picking it up, starting in March 161, we we've got a group of women. We read about a group of women who are on their way to visit Jesus' tomb on this Easter morning. And they had to be thinking to themselves about all of the things that they had seen and witnessed. Um, because crucifixion that crucifixion was a terrifying experience i mean for anyone involved all of the witnesses included it was this barbaric form of execution practiced regularly by the romans in the ancient world and now these women on their way to jesus tomb are forced to face this devastating reality that the man they had put all of their hope in was dead and i just can't help but wonder if along the way on the walk that day they had some regrets I mean, knowing what they know now, if they could rewind time, if there are some things that if they had the opportunity to do it all over again, that they would do differently. Mark mentions three women by name, three women on their way to visit Jesus' tomb that Easter morning. There was Mary Magdalene. You've maybe heard that name before. Uh, She was on her way to uh, visit the tomb of the man who had changed her life. I mean, this woman with a troubled past, uh, many believe that she had been possessed by demons and Jesus saved her. I mean, he rescued her from her past. and, And so unfortunately for Mary on this day, she's on her way to bury her Savior. Then there's Mary, referred to here as Mary the mother of James. And many scholars believe that this Mary was not only the mother of James, but also the mother of Jesus, which means that she carried him in her womb. I mean, she gave birth to this man and raised him. And if it's that Mary, you know, then she's on her way on this day to bury her boy. And you can only imagine the pain of something like that. And some of you can, because some of you have been there and and, and you know what that pain is like. And finally, there was Salome. Uh, Salome was the mother of James and John, two of Jesus' disciples. And she wanted everything for her sons. I mean, she's famous for embarrassing herself and them in front of the other disciples by asking Jesus if he would make her boys his right and left hand men and so she had put all of her future hope in jesus but now she's on her way to bury the one she had put her hope in so we've got three women one on her way to bury her savior another on her way to bury her son and then finally another on her way to bury her hopes and if i could just stop there for a second let me ask you what about you today in your life and in your present circumstances. I mean, what, what are you about to bury in your life right now? I mean, is there, is there anything that you've just simply given up on or resigned yourself to the fact believing that it's just too late? I mean, there, there is no hope for me. I mean, there is no way that I can change anything about any or all of this. I mean, maybe for some of you, it's a relationship it has to do with your marriage and you had high hopes for your marriage and it it doesn't matter if you've been married a year two years or 20 or 30 years you just know that you're tired and you're tired of trying i mean you've been giving it all that you can give and now you're thinking that maybe everyone was right it it was a big mistake and so all out of hope today you're giving some serious thought to burying that marriage once and for all or maybe it's hopes for a career I mean, men especially, I mean, you know, this, I, I know how men are so likely to put so much stock, invest so much into a career and looking and searching for significance, but you, you've been doing that. You've been searching and trying like crazy, but job after job and all of the no's or it isn't what I hoped it would be. And, and so maybe you're here today and you've basically buried any you know, hope of happiness or significance from your career. Maybe you're trapped in a financial mess right now. And you're looking at all these bills and all these creditors. And so it kind of feels like you've given up any hopes of finding financial peace in your life. Maybe for some, it's something physically. I mean, you've received some bad news or bad news once again. I mean, you've known so much pain in your life that you don't even remember what it feels like to be pain-free. And so you're about to bury any chance of being healthy again. Maybe it's the fears of your past or your reputation, some decisions that you've made. I mean, you've, you've got a past, you've got a reminder of these choices that you once made. And so right now, if well, you just kind of say, I, I'm about to bury any hope of ever getting a fresh start in life, For these three women, they're on their way to bury Jesus that morning. It it had been three days since Jesus died. So that means it had been the better part of three days that his heart quit beating, his lungs quit breathing. These women are on their way with these perfumed spices and they're going to give Jesus a proper burial because he's dead. And for these women... And their friends and all of the followers in that moment, it doesn't get any more hopeless than that. There are no do-overs. They're on their way to bury Jesus. But were they in for a surprise? Because on this day, everything changed for them and everything changes for you and me too. And the historian Mark, he records the events of the day like this. Uh, Over in Mark 16, beginning in verse four, it says, but when they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him, but go. Tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. So Mark... Tells us, he explains that these women came upon a man wearing a white robe. Now, if you read Matthew's account, if you read John's historical account, they call him an angel, whatever. He greets them with, these news, with this news saying, He has risen. God has raised His Son, Jesus Christ, from the dead. He has defeated death once and for all. And I just want you to look over here and see the place where they laid His body because He's not there anymore. I mean, he is no longer here. The tomb is empty. He's alive. And then he says, now go, go to the place called Galilee. And then he says, just as he told you. Now, I got to tell you that those five words there, those last five words in this little dialogue strike me, those words, just as he told you, because it's almost as if the angel gets a little dig in at this moment, you know, almost with this attitude of, don't you remember? Come on, it's just as he told you. I mean, Jesus did what he said he would do. He has risen. Don't you remember just as he told you? And when you think about it, they shouldn't have been surprised. I mean, all throughout his life and all throughout his teaching, Jesus kept dropping hints about what was to happen. He kept pointing ahead to the cross and how he would die and then rise from the dead. And on one occasion... Just to give you an example, not too long before his death, Jesus was teaching his disciples, and in Mark chapter nine, verse 31, uh, here's what Jesus said. He said, "The Son of Man, he's talking about himself, is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise." It was very specific. Here's how it's going to happen. Here's all it's all going to come down. And then in verse 32, Mark writes, "But they didn't understand what he meant, and were afraid to ask him about it. They didn't understand what he meant, but they will. And when I think about it, when I think about this fact that they didn't understand, you know, i got to say that I can't blame them. I mean, if I I were to put myself in their shoes and live at this time and just kind of knowing how I am and where my mind can go and even my face can go at times, it would have been difficult. To believe something like this and and isn't it amazing how for all of us we find it at times so difficult to understand or even fathom what it is that jesus has done for us or or how easily we forget or lose faith in it i mean even today i mean for so many of us we often have trouble remembering what the resurrection of jesus christ means because and and maybe here's how it applies if you're here today and you're not a christian I mean, you probably, or maybe at times, have had a difficult time understanding why it is that we make such a big deal out of one man dying on the cross. But why do we do it? It's because of this it's the resurrection. I mean, it's not just his death but it's the resurrection because the resurrection changes everything. I mean, the Romans had a history. They had a reputation for crucifying people. They, they crucified thousands, if not tens of thousands of people throughout their reign. But Jesus is the only one who didn't stay dead. And even as Christians, even as followers, we sometimes forget what that means for us today. And so just to make it as simple as I can, I mean, what is it that makes the resurrection of Jesus so special? I mean, what is the power and the significance of the resurrection for someone like you and me? Well, if you're taking notes, write this down. The resurrection just simply means that Jesus overcomes. It means that Jesus overcomes. And if He can overcome death, then I promise you that He can overcome anything and everything that may be going on in your life, anything that's standing before you in your life right now that you might even be thinking about burying once and for all. You know, on another occasion, before his death, Jesus said it like this in John sixteen thirty three. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. You know, that's an important reminder because Jesus never promised us that our lives would be free from pain and anger and frustration, but he did promise victory over them. And that's a great promise because it reminds us that our God, our Savior, will never abandon us to our regrets and fears. And the reason why we can come together and we can celebrate on a day like today is because the resurrection of Jesus Christ reminds us that He has overcome once and for all. And here's what that good news means for you in your life. I mean, because of the resurrection of Jesus, that thing that you're about to bury in your life, it can experience new life. I mean, the relationship of yours, you know, that you might be thinking about turning in. I mean, you can, it can be saved. I mean, your financial picture can turn around, your body can be healed, and your reputation can be restored because Jesus overcomes. Hey, I don't know what brings you here today. Um, you know, maybe you do this every week with us. You call Genesis your church. Maybe it's another church, and, and you're here from out of town. Um, I, I realize that some of you uh, might be here today to keep the peace. You know, in your family, maybe your mom told you you want homemade chicken and noodles today, you got to go to church, all right? And so, you, you know, you're, you're willing to do that. I don't know what it is. I don't know what your expectations are or the great challenges and questions in your life right now, but here's what I do believe. I believe that some of you are here today and you're about to discover the power of the resurrection and what it can mean for you. Like what it means personally that Jesus overcomes and how the power of that truth can change everything for your life. Um, I'm excited to share a story with you today uh, of one young man. His name's Brandon, and how the resurrection changes everything, that Jesus overcomes and what it means for Brandon. He attends our Genesis Carmel campus, and this is his story.
1: I grew up in Macon, Georgia, and uh, my grandmother uh, drug my brother and I to church every Sunday. And I remember age 12, 13, uh, sitting in the pews, uh, hearing the preacher talk about hell and how it's hot and how it's a bad place and how you don't want to go there. And I definitely did not want to go there. And so I'm hearing that if I accept Jesus Christ, I don't have to go there. And so I made the decision when I was 12 years old, gave my life to the Lord, and uh, things changed for a couple of days, but shortly after that feeling wore off. And uh, about that time, I was 12, 13, started dibbling, dabbling and smoking cigarettes and smoking weed and drinking. And I started loving the feeling that I got from that. And so I dove in uh, to my addiction at a very young age. By the time I 14, I knew that it was time to quit school. I knew that this is what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, my life just got emptier and emptier and I think I was around 23 and I remember looking around at just the pain on my family's face and I knew something had to change but I wasn't ready to give up anything and so I got the great idea in my head that I would just leave and so I got in the car with some people that I met through the lifestyle that I was living and we headed to Chicago Uh, by the time I got to Indianapolis we were out of money out of drugs, uh, so the people really had no need for me, so uh, they ended up leaving me. And I found myself uh, with no place to go in Indianapolis, and I called the police, and I was like, I really have no place to go, I don't know where to go. And so they took me to uh, Wheeler Mission, I ended up spending the night, and got up the next day, uh, really with no hope, uh, no future. Uh, One of the guys that was in the program there looked at me, and he was like, man, you look like you need some help. I was like, I do, but uh, I don't really know what to do, man. I've tried AA, I've tried NA, I've tried psychology, tried quit cold turkey, I've tried it all, man. I just can't get over this addiction. And that's when uh, he shared with me about how a relationship with the Lord Jesus could change me forever. And that intrigued me because I remember uh, just growing up, those seeds that were planted inside me. I always knew the right thing to do, but... I just never had the power to do it. And so uh, I decided to uh, join their program. I purposed in my heart to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over the next three months. And during that time, I fell in love with the Lord.
2: I really felt the Lord calling me to pray for my future husband, whoever that was. I just felt that that's what I should be doing. And that was the exact time that Brandon was going through the program and coming to Christ.
1: And I got the opportunity just to experience God in a whole nother way and I loved it.
2: I, for two days a week, would go down and would serve um, lunch at Wheeler Mission and the first day I was there Brandon was um, in charge of the volunteers. At one point um, one of the men who was getting food was really struggling and Brandon sat down with him and, and I overheard this conversation just about Jesus Christ and how much, even in, you know, despite where he is in his life right now, how much Jesus Christ really loves him. And I just remember thinking, what a remarkable man.
1: Through the power of the, rela- of the relationship I have with the Lord, uh, last time that I used drugs and alcohol was... Uh, April 26, 2007, Uh, so it's going on six years now, and the Lord not only helped me to overcome my addiction, but He also helped me to overcome even being identified as an addict. I'm a new creation in Christ, and I place my hope in that.
0: That's what our God does. Uh, That's the work that that he does. And, and, well, what does it mean that Jesus overcomes the world? I want to give you a few things uh, here quickly before we wrap up. The first thing is that Jesus, the resurrection means that Jesus overcomes my regrets from the past. I mean, that's what it means for Brandon that's what it means for Mary Magdalene on this day too. I mean, remember, she's on her way to bury the man that had changed her life. And I just have to wonder if on her way to the tomb, you know, she may have been dreading the possibility that her past and all these regrets would, would come rushing in once again. But with his resurrection, Jesus says, no, it's not going to happen. Death has been defeated. I have overcome your pain and past and even your regrets. They will never define you or own you again hey, what haunts you from your past? And what are those regrets that that you carry around, those regrets that threaten to creep into your life each day? And what, maybe more, more importantly, what would it mean for you to release those regrets to Him today, to give them over to Jesus to be buried once and for all? I mean, here's the beauty of forgiveness and what Jesus has done for me and my sin and for so many of you and what He can do for you today. I mean, the Bible says that though your sins are like scarlet, they will be washed as white as snow. Psalm 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions or our sins from us. And only the resurrection of Jesus makes that possible. I mean, because Jesus overcame death, He can overcome sin and regret. I mean, He did it for Mary Magdalene. He did it for Brandon. And He can do the same for you. He over he he overcomes the regrets that we have from our past The second thing is this that jesus overcomes our problems in the present You know who I think of whenever I think of the word problems It's this guy Frank costanza, right for any of you seinfeld fans he says, I got a lot of problems with you people But seriously We've all got challenges We've all got these problems. And the beauty of knowing Jesus and trusting him as your Lord and Savior is that it means that you will never have to do life alone. You'll never have to face, you know, your problems alone ever again. I mean, we have this promise from God. And I, and I just really believe that one of the mistakes that we make when it comes to understanding our relationship with Jesus is that we will limit what he's able to do for us in our lives. I mean, we'll limit his work, you know, to eternity in heaven only. I mean, we'll, we'll say that it's just about getting my ticket to heaven and not to make light of it because when you invite Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Lord and Savior I mean your future in heaven is guaranteed and that's a promise that I don't think any of us will ever fully understand or appreciate until we stand before Jesus one day but a relationship with Jesus Christ isn't limited to the future I mean, the resurrection of Jesus Christ means that we can have life and hope through him today. It's why Jesus said in John ten ten, he says, you know, the thief, because he's in this world too, you know, he comes to steal and kill and destroy. But here's what Jesus does for us. He says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. I mean, Jesus overcame death so that we could have life and we can have that life in him and through him right now. And well, I just know that a lot of us, we would look at our lives and we'd say, you know what? I'm not living that full sort of a life and I, I don't have time for that kind of a life or I'm too busy or I'm just trying to make ends meet to have a life like that. Or, or, or we look at the problems that we're up against right now, even the problems that you might be up against even today. And you look at problems like those and you say, you know what? That's what's keeping me from living a full life. And so we've got these problems that we'd label with words like uncertainty anxiety um, frustration regret you know things like termination or foreclosure uh, cancer um, divorce, anything and everything and and so often we look at our lives and we'll say you know what i didn't think it would be like this or I thought that if I was faithful, or if I was just a good person, or if I went to church or something, you know, that I'd never have to deal with, with something like this. But just remember, again, I, I think the truth of Jesus' words, you know, as good as they are, are difficult at the same time. I mean, in John sixteen thirty three. You know, Jesus never said that we wouldn't have problems, but he did say, in this world, you know, you will have these trouble, you will have these problems, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And that makes all the difference in the world for Mary, the mother of Jesus. I mean, the resurrection changes everything. And for Brandon, I mean, Jesus was the only one who could help him overcome his addiction and the regrets from the past. And I mean, you heard it for yourself. I mean, he tried everything, but it wasn't until he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ and entered into that relationship with him that he was able to overcome. And finally, the resurrection means that Jesus overcomes our fears of the future. I mean, if you've got a heartbeat, i got to believe that every once in a while you, you take some time to really ask that question about what the future holds. And and when you kind of add to that all the things that are going on around us in our own country and our world right now and things with the economy and now these threats with Korea and other places of the world, I mean, we all ask that question from time to time. You, you don't have to do church, believe in church, believe in Jesus to have those sort of questions and even questions like, you know, what? What does happen after death? And have you ever taken time to wrestle with a question like that before? There was this one occasion in the Bible where Jesus broke up a so-called funeral in John chapter 11 and, and he gave these words talking about life and death and the hope that we have in the future. And he says to this woman in John eleven twenty-five, these great and these awesome words, he just says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me Will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he just asks this great question. He just simply pauses and says, Do you believe this? And that's my question for you today. Do you believe this? This message, this truth, this hope that the resurrection of Jesus Christ has the power to change anything and everything for your life because He has overcome once and for all, for all things. I mean, for a woman like Solomy, she had put all of her hope in the future in Jesus. I mean, she had hoped that He would be the one to redeem her boys. And when Jesus died, I just think there's a really good chance that she thought that she had made this great big mistake. But when she heard the news of the resurrection and she saw Jesus with her own eyes she knew in that moment that she had made the absolute right choice. You know, over the past couple of weeks, we've had some people here at our Noblesville campus and at our Carmel campus get baptized. And uh, we put up a A tub up in the front and many people that have stepped into those waters and have been baptized as a way of demonstrating their new life and their new faith in Jesus Christ. It's a way of saying, hey, I have passed from death to life. I have moved from darkness into the light. Jesus is overcoming all of my fears in the future because my eternity rest and all of my hope is found in him and him alone. I just want you to take a moment And ask yourself, do you believe this? Do you believe in the power and the truth of the resurrection and everything that it stands for, that in defeating death, Jesus overcomes our regrets from the past? He can help us in dealing with the problems in our present. And he can give us great hope and overcome our fears from the future. I mean, it's why Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Do you believe this?